Access Netflix, Prime Video, Live TV, and more with the Xfinity X1 Voice Remote. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll enjoy Xfinity X1, which gives you access to your favorite streaming apps like Netflix, YouTube, and Prime Video. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. It is the triumphant return, not that we were gone that long, of the J.C. and Morgan podcast. Welcome, everybody. Mike Morgan of ESPN, SEC Network, J.C. Sherbert of 247 Sports, recruiting guru, part-time actor, and a man of so many skills, we don't have enough time in one podcast to squeeze them all in. JC, how are you? Doing well, Mike. Uh, absolutely loving the weather in the ATL the last two weeks after uh, a somewhat brutal winter. And, you know, some people I know that live uh, to the north of us, uh, probably from above Virginia up, uh, they're still freezing their butts off. And uh, we're down here loving it at 75 degrees. And March Madness has started. And, um, uh, I just really, next to the fall, I really love this time of year, this March where you got NCAA tournament, college baseball, conference plays getting cranked up. You got St. Patty's Day, which is uh, a good holiday for those who enjoy celebrating that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, um, uh, you know, some spring football talk and college football. So I think that it's uh, it's a, a good time to be a sports fan in March. And I always know uh, when the weather turns warm like this that um, – you know, that it is this time of the year. I know a lot of our listeners are probably throwing the masters to that uh, litany of good. You just mentioned, and I'm with you. This is one of my uh, favorite times of the year. I'm, I'm looking at the 10 day forecast as I've been prone to do. Uh, and you know, we might have another cold front at some point, but I think for the most part, a rather brutal winter is over for us, for most of us in the South. And for me, it was especially brutal because I don't think I've been that sick over a three-week period, including the flu, which I never get. Uh, but that was uh, Columbia, Missouri's gift to me uh, back in late February. <laughs> so looking forward to that and, uh, you know, looking forward, as you mentioned, March Madness. I've got my first college baseball broadcast at Texas A&M next week. And uh, I know we don't talk a lot of college baseball on this particular podcast, but it is an exciting time. It's, it's amazing how many people who love Southern college football also love college baseball. The two have kind of seemed to go hand in hand. We don't also talk a lot of, a lot of college basketball, but we'll get into it in just a second. For, by the way, first off, a uh, and this is this is sincere, even though I joke about the show all the time. A sincere uh, thoughts and prayers to the uh, family, and really to anybody who uh, followed one Luke Perry throughout his career. Uh, I know you don't watch nearly as much TV as I do, JC, and I'm guessing that was the case back when you were younger as well. Uh, didn't watch a whole lot of 90210. Uh, no, I did not watch 90210. In fact, it was kind of right there with new kids on the block where <laughs> when I was in junior high and high school, I tormented the girls in my class about it. But uh, uh-huh. but I'm getting there. I've watched a few Netflix shows lately. Um, okay. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm getting called back up. But uh, no, it's... Uh, I did not watch that show, but I know exactly who Luke Perry is because 
you know, those same girls are like, oh, Luke Perry. You know, they'd be all over their trapper keeper. They had the Luke Perry trapper yes. keeper and things like that. Yes. Luke Perry and I have uh, <laughs> very few things in common, although we're, we were typically back in the 90s uh, mobbed by uh, teenage girls at the local uh, shopping mall. And it was it was something that was a problem. Uh, I could I could kind of commiserate with Luke Perry on that. But uh, as I've gotten older, the uh, I guess the appeal of uh, those girls, they're, they're more interested in the boy bands now. And I understand that. So now I uh, I just try to uh, have my ego uh, stroked by the uh, appeal that I have to the uh, the common housewife out there in middle America. But, you know, nevertheless, <clears throat> it, it, much like I talk about Roadhouse as one of those two star movies that when it's on cable, I can't look away. Uh, 90210 was a definite stop laughing over there. You, you act like that's funny that I was mobbed at uh, shopping malls. I, I'm still on the appeal to the modern housewife line and trying to process that. One. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to know your audience, you got to know your demographic, by golly. And uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay with that. You know, demos change over time, but uh, uh much like Roadhouse was a two star movie that I can't watch I can't stop watching uh, 90210 was a two star show there was not there was not great acting terrible storylines cheese upon cheese they'd find a way to throw in like the goo goo dolls in the middle of an episode uh, it, it was not great television but if you were of a certain age of a certain era uh, you found yourself watching that show and it's funny I was on with uh Chris Childers and uh, Chris Doring on uh, one of the Sirius XM shows the other day. And Doring and I are just going back and forth. This was right before Luke Perry passed away. But he he went on record as saying his favorite show of all time. Now, I would never take it this far. Chris is a braver man than I am. He was said his favorite show of all time was 90210. But it's amazing. If you did watch that show, you remember certain quotes and storylines and you quote them. And I found that myself doing that with Chris on the show on national radio, which is a major, major no-no, uh, probably lost a lot of street cred. Meanwhile, Childers is kind of like you right now going, please, Mike, stop. Uh, but it's one of those shows for better or for worse. If you watched it, it was a cult classic. You can't help forget. And when you hear of Dylan McKay, a.k.a. Luke Perry, dying of a stroke, I think at 52, that does put everything in perspective a little bit because uh, uh, you and I are just north of 40, I guess. Mm -hmm. So we're not that far off from that. Luke Perry, it's not like he was an unhealthy guy. He looked like a vegan, and to my knowledge, he never got into the – Heavy drug scene. So uh, sad thing there. And then and then uh, this is next level. Steve Sanders, his father, the guy who played his dad, he died a week later. So I'm guessing Joe Itata, the guy who played Nat, the owner of the Peach Pit. If I'm him, I'm, I'm checking out, uh, going to my local physician, making sure everything's A-OK because he's no spring chicken. All right, enough of that. And if you're watching Netflix, JC, by now you should be watching Last Chance You, And you better watch it because the coach that it's about in the last season is he just got fired for saying uh, something insensitive to like one of his players who was Polish or something. I don't know what the deal was. Yeah, it was it was kind of a uh, he he invoked the Third Reich like a Nazi reference. That's and, right. He's a German kid, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It said something about like he was your I'm your Poland or you're my welcome to. I mean, it was bad. I mean, it, it was, was bad. It, it yeah. was very insensitive, especially. 
Um, if you know your history, and, and I do, that's one thing I do watch is a lot of what documentaries, especially about the Vietnam War and World War sure. II and things like that. And I've probably watched 15 different documentaries about the invasion of Poland and sort of all the things that the Nazis did. And, and re- I've read two or three books on it. I've read The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich and listened to it on audiobook. I am well-versed in this part of history. And it made me very uncomfortable because my, my guess was this guy's coach probably, um, and I'm not judging him, but th- my, my guess is this guy probably really wasn't aware of it. it was just like, oh, German, Nazi, hoo-hoo, how Hitler, you know, something like that. And it was unfortunate. Yeah. And I know we live in a society where you can't say things that people don't like or you'll get fired. Um, and sometimes that's kind of overblown. But it was it was a wholly inappropriate remark and just – you know, I, I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. Well, if you watch the show, I'm not I'm not defending him. And, and uh, I again, I don't even know the entire context of the comment. But if you watch the show, a I would not uh, mistake this particular guy for a uh, savant in history uh, and B, uh, the fact that he would say anything insensitive is not the least bit striking. <laughs> Not the least bit striking at all. I will say, see, uh, that show without him is not that show. So last chance you, who uh, they just re-upped, I thought, with him for another year. I don't know how that's going to work now contractually. It's not going to be the same show without him because that dude is made for a reality show. You might like him. You might hate him. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to play for him. But I do know this. He is TV gold. He is absolute Netflix gold. And that show without him, good luck finding the next guy because uh, it's not going to be quite the same. Okay. So as I said at the top, as we're all over the map here already in the first five minutes, we don't talk a ton of college basketball. With March Madness, that might change a little bit. You know, The, the, the design of this podcast in general is to give you college football talk all year round and to give you your fix, even in an off season, which is where we are now, I can't connect a dot here that will make us go. However, from will Wade and LSU basketball to college football. And here's the dot. What's going on in college basketball. And I've heard so much disinformation on this whole thing. The NCAA is not orchestrating this investigation. The FBI wiretap was not initially done in order to find out college basketball players who was getting paid by what coach that the FBI has entirely more important things to do with their time. However, this got caught in the crossfire. And once it got caught in the crossfire, it was only a matter of time before some of these things that certain coaches did or said would be made public. And that is the case in Will Wade. And unlike so many other head coaches uh, in college ba- basketball and football, uh, when there is money that changes hands, if you believe everything that you read and hear about this, you don't typically, you're not the one on the phone. That's what assistants are for. That's what middlemen are for. In this case, again, if it's all, if it all turns out to be true, it's Will Wade, the head coach. That's a no-no. Now you have no guy to be to kind of fall on the sword. The only person that's unfortunately going to fall on the sword is Will Wade. And I say unfortunately, by the way, 
I've, I've, I've broadcasted six or seven Will Wade games. I'll be honest with you. I like Will Wade. I like a lot of things about Will Wade. And this is not just some guy who knows how to get recruits. This guy's a hell of a coach. And I think LSU was on its way up, not just because of Javante Smart. LSU would have competed for the SEC if Javante Smart was never in purple and gold, I can promise you. Yeah, Walters is unbelievable. Uh, Waters, is it Waters, uh, Walters, the point guard, whoever that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Waters is the point guard. Uh, Reed is the big man. Skyler Mays, who I doubt anybody offered uh, 20 bucks at a high school, is a a 4.0 student, a pre-med kid who is their starting two guard, and at times he's the best player. It's Tremont Waters, it's Skylar Mays, it's Nas Reed, and it's a bunch of Louisiana kids. And Javante Smart is a Baton Rouge kid. And where do Baton Rouge kids typically want to go to school, uh, JC? LSU. LSU. So typically you don't have to pay these kids to stay and to go to LSU. Now, he was a highly talented recruit. And so I'm sure there were some other schools that made some offers and you got to wonder if, if, if he's on a wiretap saying, golly, you know, well, how much more do we have to give this kid? Guess what? That means other schools are making offers for the Baton Rouge kid. What's my point? My point is a couple of things. Number one, again, just so we're all clear here. The FBI didn't wake up one day and said, you know what we need to do? We need to clean up college basketball recruiting. That wasn't the source of this. Go, I won't bore you with all the details, but go deeper and go next level into it. Like I said, college basketball got caught in the crossfire. Number two, college football better hope it never gets caught in the crossfire. Because if you're naive enough to think that this is just a college basketball issue, extra benefits being provided to high school recruits in order to allure them to one specific school, you are living in a fantasy land, an absolute fantasy land. And I keep hearing JC, Oh, college. If there's anything good about this college basketball, will hopefully get cleaned up. I mean, it's, it's, it's so dirty. It's so this, so that, okay, fine. What do you think college football is? What do you think college football is? Because for the most part, College football is a bigger cash cow than college basketball on so many campuses. College football is the more popular of the two. Now, there are exceptions, and in many cases, basketball is not number two. It's 1A, 1B. But for the most part, you take your major college programs, football is numero uno. So if there's going to be uh, the temptation to have – uh, some illegal benefits to make sure your recruiting class is better than it, than it was before. And it's going to be better to get your team to a new destination, like the playoff, let's just say uh, that's going to be a higher temptation in football than it is in basketball for most programs. So I only just say, be, be careful while you're piling on college basketball because college football, certainly it's not just SMU in the eighties college basketball, college football for a long, long time. There's been known to have, and it's not just Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. Some are just more brazen than others. Some are just more, quite frankly, stupid the way they cheat than others. But you're never going to convince me that college football kids aren't getting paid as well. Yeah, I mean, here's here's the here's why I think there's two reasons that basketball I think has gotten the the spotlight on it. First and foremost, with with a very good basketball player. 
the stakes are much higher. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Number one, you know, in college fo- football recruiting, Mike, you'll have a top 100. You'll have, what, 35-star guys. Out of those 35-star guys, 15 are drafted in the first three rounds. Uh, the guaranteed money isn't there for the sport. Um, you know, so, so a lot of these guys, you know, you, you, you're not necessarily, if you're a person that wants to be involved, like a middleman, you know, you may or may not get paid. Um, even if the guy gets to the NFL, you know, it, 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 there's, there's not um, the guaranteed money um, nor is there the guarantee that said player is going to be a multimillionaire in a couple of years. So, the, the, so there's there's more incentive for hangers on or, or middlemen or people, street agents, people call them, uh, t- to get involved and and drive up the price for a talented basketball player than there is for a football player because it is a better investment of time. Um, then you look at the fact, like, okay. What's his name? Meta World Peace used to be Ron Artest. Sure. Uh, I think he was the 13th guy at the end of the Lakers bench a couple of years ago, and he yep. made $13 million guaranteed going through an NBA season. $13 million. $13 million. The money in basketball is insane. Um, and so the stakes are a little higher. And then – when you look at the nation's top basketball players, because of the one-and-done rule, they're 18 months away from getting paid all that money. In football, you got to go through two, three years, maybe four in some cases. You may get hurt. I mean, there's all kinds of things that could happen. You know, like a Zion Williamson, heck, you know, he's, he's going to be very, very rich very, very soon. Um, and it wasn't that long ago. He was in high school. Um, and, and, and I, and I think another thing is, is, and this is, this is to your point about football is when you're dealing with more players that you recruit, when you're dealing with 25, I will guarantee you that all 25 guys that get scholarships to these places are not receiving, uh, and I don't care if it's the worst cheating program in the country, all 25 aren't getting, um, extra benefits. Right. Anything like that. There's a good five to ten guys that are just getting tuition and books and, and, and the regular old scholarship, you know. And that's just how it is. Um, and so, you know, whereas in basketball, if you have a three-person class and the three players are really, really good, um, chances are, you know, and I'm not saying it's universal or accusing any specific school, but chances are all three of those guys – uh, it's like blue chips. We've seen blue chips with Nick Nolte, haven't we? Oh yeah. You know, it's like blue chips, and, and you know, all three of those guys got paid. You know, and and so I think that unfortunately for basketball, because there's less players, the stakes are higher, and the money, the return on your time that you spend, or meddling in people's lives and, and influencing decisions or whatever, there's more of a an immediate payoff because of the one and done rule. Uh, I think that the, that the spotlight, even before the FBI investigation, on the individual players is greater in basketball simply because there just aren't that many. I mean, you sign 25 guys a year in football, Mike, you only have 13 total basketball scholarships. So right. so it's. I think that's why there's that perception, though college basketball is some cesspool and all this stuff. 
I, I, I don't think it's any more of a cesspool than any other uh, major collegiate sport, which there's only one other one. <laughs> but right. uh, I, I just think that because it's it's a smaller pool of people we're talking about, the money is greater and the time frame is shorter. That that the spotlight is bigger uh, on on the basketball guys. And I, 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 that's, yeah. that's that. I think there, I think there's no question. You're you're right about that. And uh, like you said. All it takes is a couple of guys to, to change a program. I mean, LSU's been irrelevant for a while now. They had one one marquee guy in Ben Simmons, and that team actually had a couple guys that were top 100 recruits, not just Ben Simmons, and they managed to qualify for an NIT, which they didn't even go to because <laughs> Ben didn't want to play in it, and Johnny Jones was well on his way to getting fired, and uh, you know the rest is hit. That whole thing just turned into a debacle. Um, LSU basketball can be very good. I'm convinced without cheating because there's so many great players in that state that come out every year and they all want to go to LSU. I mean, they're all, there is no competing university. It's not like Florida where you got Florida, Florida state, Miami, you know, not like South Carolina where you got the Gamecocks and the Clemson Tigers. It's not like Alabama when you got Auburn and Alabama. It's not like Mississippi where you got Ole Miss, Mississippi state. It's just LSU. With all due respect to UNO and Southern and whatever other school, Louisiana Tech, Louisiana Monroe. How can you forget uh, Tulane, man? To, you know, <laughs> well, Tulane needed practically had a bake sale to keep their football program alive ten years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean it's 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 basically it's a one trick pony. It's a state that produces so much elite football and basketball talent, but uh, in this day and age, you know the, the thing you always hear about basketball. We all know about AAU, and AAU is surrounded by some corrupt SOBs, whether it's the coaches or the handlers uh, and all these elite kids playing AAU. Well, what is football now turning into? They're all playing, what, the seven-on-seven, right? I mean, they're all playing on some, some kind of organized league which has some, I'm sure, some rather corrupt individuals surrounding it, right? I mean... Well, this is not a this is not an ivory soap clean sport either is what I'm saying. No, yeah, and and, and look, I'll say this about seven on seven coaches, and I'm sure the same thing's true in AAU basketball. There's some guys that do things the right way, and there's some guys that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, you know seven on seven. The the difference is is that okay, you're you're a talented football player. You know, your seven-on-seven coach coaches you in the summer. It's backyard football. It's not real. You still need your high school team, high school program, right, to make it. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, if you, if you don't have the high school program, you cannot play the sport. Now, some idiots are out there, and they say, well, one day it's just going to be all seven-on-seven on the high school level, and we'll just do this. And I'm like, no, that's dumb. That's not football. You're going to have a bunch of guys that can't play dead in a movie that are really good in their underwear, <laughs> you know, coming to college programs and, and, and somebody somewhere will find some way to play football in pads. And then those are the guys that will get the opportunities. People don't understand that. Now, basketball is different because in basketball, you literally don't have to play high school basketball. Right. Because you're pl- yeah, sure you get coached better with your high school team and, and, and all that, and that's important. But, you know, if you're a big-time basketball player and you decide, ah, I'm not going to go through the season with my high school, uh, I'm just going to go play AAU ball, mm-hmm. your scholarship opportunity, even though that would be maybe a red flag for some programs, if you're good enough, 
and they watch you play in AAU and you're dominating, you're still actually out there playing the sport. Right. And so, so that's the difference. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're correct in saying that it's not, there's no ivory soap clean sport out there. Heck, even uh, crew and um, tennis <laughs> are coming under uh, a little bit of some scrutiny lately. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Yeah, is that Uncle Jesse's wife or who, 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 who the, the full Becky. house? Aunt yeah, Becky. Aunt Becky. I mean, and, and, and then, uh, gosh, it starts with an L, and I, I heard it earlier. She's from Desperate Housewives, Felicity Huffman. Felicity Huffman. Yeah. Yeah, her, her daughter. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we could pro- we could probably do a whole podcast on that whole thing with Southern Cow and everything else, but uh, ah. it just goes to show you there is corruption around not only uh, college athletics but uh, college admissions. And uh, who knew that the the row team would be such a subject of uh, of of crime and uh, p- potential punishment there? But I I, I just um, the the whole story and it, it comes at such a bad time. You've got LSU just won the SEC regular seat. They're the number one seed in the SEC tournament, which, as you and I record this, is going on now in the what late second round as we speak. Yep. And it's it's the ultimate uh, just kind of nebulous cloud over the, the 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 team. Every game they play, Javante Smart is not going to play, and Will Wade is not coaching, and of course. You know, a, a guy that I work with from time to time and a friend of mine, Dane Bradshaw, he did that. Uh, he broadcasted that game Saturday at Baton Rouge. And as you can imagine, and this just goes to show you, I mean, even if they all knew he was they're called fans for a reason. They're fanatical and fans are going to support their program. If there's if they can find that gray area that I always talk about, they can find that gray area to justify uh, someone's activity that has helped their particular team do well. I mean, I think there's a lot of Florida State fans, for example, that when the whole Jameis Winston thing was going on, had to really have a kind of look in the mirror and go, oh, God, do I really want to support this guy? Because he kind of seems like a bad dude. But he did win us a national championship and a Heisman Trophy. I I just think that your average fan battles that kind of stuff. But here's where I do understand where LSU fans are coming from, and apparently – this was the the cry from above uh, at the old PMAC, Pete Maravich Assembly Center, on Saturday while they were clinching the SEC. And that is this, JC. If you've got an ineligible player, okay, so let's say they find Javante Smart got illegal benefits, and so therefore every game he participated in is a forfeit, and therefore uh, LSU is obviously ineligible for not just an SEC championship, but he, but also the NCAA tournament. Well, then what's the point of suspending him now? In other words, if you still believe like you have a glimmer of hope, why not just keep him on the floor? Why not just keep playing, uh, excuse me, uh, keep Will Wade on the sideline? Because if in fact all this is true, your whole season's bygone, it's, it's, it's over anyway. It, it's like it never even happened. They're going to vacate wins. They're going to, they're going to block any chance of, of having uh, banners up for conference championships, NCAA championships, Final Four, anything else. So why not just write it out is what their fan base is saying. And if it's all proved, if, if they can't prove it, well, then you, you gave yourself the best chance to have the best season possible. And if they can't prove it, well, the season's already a, a loss anyway. I understand that rationale. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I was the AD. I would go along with it, 
I don't know if I was the president, I'd go along with it or the board of trustee, but I do understand your average fans rationale on that. Can you see where they're coming from? It, oh, the fans? Yeah, of yes. course. Yeah, and like I said, it's LSU basketball. They were awful two years ago. Terrible. Terrible. The last year, I think the last year of the Johnny Jones era. They were bad in Will Wade's first year, too. And they go up and down, and, and who cares? If LSU men's basketball tanks and, and gets put on probation and becomes the worst program in the SEC for two or three years, they're going to, as you mentioned earlier, build it right back up because there's a lot of great basketball players down there. And it, it's a program just like every other SEC program outside of Florida and Kentucky. They go up, they go down. They go up, they go down. They go up. I mean, it's a roller coaster. So, 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 so nothing changes. If you're a fan, this is your year to be up. You won the SEC championship. You have a chance to get to the final four. You have a really good team. And I'm with you. Will Wade is a very good coach. Uh, you got two guys in the SEC that are these young hotshot recruiters. Three, if you talk, if you add Mike White for Florida, but I'm going to go with two. You got one guy at LSU um, in his second year that's won a title already that can coach and can recruit. You got another guy, call him the Clapper, up at Vanderbilt. He just claps and he just went 0-19 with a really good team in the league. So, you know, we wonder sometimes around the league why our teams go up and down and things like that. It's because a lot of times, you know, the recruiting doesn't equal the coaching or vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the case at LSU. Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store custom closet sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. Are you hungry for the usual today or are you ready to spice things up with the new nashville hot brisket from firehouse subs we're kicking up our slow smoked beef brisket with nashville hot seasoning it's topped with melted pepper jack and our sweet and tangy slaw served piping hot on a toasted cornbread roll yeah a cornbread roll save time order your new nashville hot brisket on the firehouse subs app today firehouse subs enjoy more subs save more lives participating locations limited time only right now and you have a drop-off. Like if Vandy, if Bryce Drew came out for warm-ups and Vandy sent Bryce Drew to the locker room and they just kind of coached themselves, it wouldn't matter. But Will Wade can coach. So you you, you sideline him and you take away Smart, that's going to hurt. And so if I'm a fan, I'm sitting there going, why are you doing this? Because really, if there's something wrong, it's not going to matter anyway. But but, but here here's kind of LSU's standpoint of it, uh, the, the administration. Number one, uh, Will Wade lawyered up. And Will Wade would not discuss the wiretap with anyone, the NCAA or LSU. He said, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to exercise my right not to engage in a discussion on it. And they're like, well, you're suspended. LSU released a statement today after Will Wade released a statement that says, says I should be able to coach. Uh, LSU releases a statement and says, we just want to hear that you you, you 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 didn't do it or that you had no knowledge of it, <laughs> and you haven't told us that yet. And, and the reason why 
is this is not an NCAA deal. This is an FBI deal. And there are process crimes. Anybody that's been watching the uh, investigation into the Russian meddling in the 2016 election knows that term very well. They can come back and put you in not only in, in coaching jeopardy and NCAA jeopardy, but legal jeopardy. So his attorney was like, no, don't you say a word. Don't say anything. And so LSU was like, fine, you're suspended. Now, why aren't they just backing Will Wade 100% in, in, in the, uh, you know, so they can go win or whatever and just say, come at me, NCAA, come at me, bro? I think it's because when you invite NCAA investigators onto your campus, okay, they come to investigate a certain sport. That's true. But th- while they're there, they also can check into other things. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm not Ed Orgeron. I, I like him. I think he's a great recruiter. You know, I've never heard anything uh, below board about the LSU football program, anything like that. Uh, nor have I heard anything below uh, below board about Paul Maneri and his baseball program. But if you have a flashlight and you look hard enough, you can find a cockroach just about anywhere. And you don't want the NCAA on your campus shining a big old bright spotlight up the, you know, uh, lower nether region of your athletic program. Uh, and it may be bleeding over into other sports because, you know, the NCAA is not like the FBI. They don't have wiretaps. They operate on like rumors and, and, and anonymous reports and, you know, uh, okay, so what's to keep uh, if you if you got a bunch of NCAA investigators there, you know, digging into your basketball program? What's to keep a rival school from sending an anonymous tip and saying, "Hey, you know, I heard this linebacker got a new car." Well, you know, that's that's pretty common. Kids get new cars in all different ways. But do you really, really want the NCAA going through your roster and checking off everybody's car and asking where they got it? Because somebody somewhere, even if you didn't know about it, went to some dealership and got a deal because of who they were, and that's an extra benefit. Uh, and and I just don't think, I mean, LSU, like you said, Mike, it, it, it should be one of the better basketball programs in the league on an annual basis. It's not. Dale Brown had success, one of the Final Four. Blah. John Brady goes up. He has a Final Four team, then back down. You know, it, 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 they're up and down just like everybody else. And I just don't think that even though I think Will Wade could coach at LSU for, I mean, I, I think he's a lot like a Billy Donovan type of guy that could end up being being there for 10 years and winning national championships. I don't think that they're willing to sacrifice a massive scandalous investigation on their campus that could potentially impact their entire athletic department you know, to save this particular season as good as it may be. Well, and it certainly appears that way. And, and I do think, uh, I do think he was on his way. He was on his way to building something that wasn't just going to be kind of a one year wonder or a two year wonder. I, I think LSU fan, LSU fans, I will say this. Uh, I know the perception is that the SEC, that your common fan, it's football one. And then in some cases, baseball too. Uh, and, and basketball is either a distant second or third, with the exception of Kentucky and Florida and Vanderbilt. LSU's basketball, I mean, 
they are this is a program that goes back to Pistol Pete, Bob Pettit, Shaquille O'Neal, Chris Jackson. If you put together an all-time LSU alum team, yeah. you you could play just about anybody in the history of the sport. Um, they have been selling out games. I've seen them bringing 50, 100 fans to road games this year. Like they actually do give a you know what about basketball and they finally are tasting not just a good year, not just a 2006 John Brady team, but closer to what Dale Brown had when he had multiple final fours and and they were competitive more often than not. And now that could all go by the wayside. And the fear is we might go back in the abyss. We might go back into the Johnny Jones, uh, uh, Trent, uh, help me out. Trent, Trent Johnson. Trent Johnson. How now, can I get the man Trent Johnson? I will you don't say, want to go back into that era. Trent Johnson did win an SEC championship in 2009, and then it went south. Yeah, yeah, and but then, he had NBA yeah. talent on that 09 team. I mean, he had <laughs> so he had some dudes, uh, and I'd have to go back and see how many of those were recruited by John Brady. Yeah. But, but regardless, uh, it, it's when a fan senses that it's kind of like Ole Miss football. You know, Ole Miss football had been middle of the pack to lower third for several, several years, and then they get a taste of it, right, with Hugh Freeze. And so they don't want to – I remember doing a baseball broadcast when that whole thing was going on. I still have the bumper sticker, J.C., where it says, we support Hugh Freeze. And this is when – I mean, they had Hugh dead to right, right? I mean, once Laramie Tunzel went out there – and on national television on draft day, and I hate to laugh, but I mean, when you got your man basically calling out how things were run in your program on the on draft day on national TV, now you now you're the NCAA. You don't necessarily want to. You have to do something. Um, I was told an interesting thing by an uh, by an old Miss official by suspect by not playing Laramie Tunzel in that Sugar Bowl. That's one win they did not have to vacate. Ha. They've got their they've got their Sugar Bowl trophy. They've got their Sugar Bowl. Uh, it's it's still in the media. They did not have to vacate that. So there there is that uh, for for what uh, for what that's worth. But anyway, you know I, I don't like talking crime and punishment in college athletics, but unfortunately it is part of the business. And when you fall big time college football and college basketball, it, it's going to happen. You know, Missouri just went on probation, and it's like, okay, Missouri went on probation. But when one of the elite six or seven schools in the SEC gets tagged during a memorable banner year, yeah, that's major headlines, folks. And uh, we'll see how it all turns out. We'll see how it all turns out. But just a bizarre, bizarre story. Now, I will say this, too. I already knew about this in October. I mean, what has been reported, I don't know, I don't pretend to know more than the next guy, but what has been reported thus far, with the exception of seeing the verbatim uh, quote, I already knew about all this. And if I knew about this, I'm not an insider. I mean, yes, I cover college basketball and I have access to some pretty smart people, but I can promise you, I, I know hundreds of people that knew about this, maybe thousands that follow the sport that knew all these reports but then all of a sudden it shows up, what, in a Yahoo story, Pat Forty. Uh, now we're going to take it seriously? I, I'm just I'm curious how all of a sudden this became a bigger deal in March than it was in October because I haven't seen any new information that I already 
didn't know four or five months ago, but that's neither here nor there. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, the last time you and I talked, we, we, we put a cap on the second recruiting period, which means now the next, the next major uh, bookmark of the college football cycle is spring football. Here's what I'm going to I'm going to ask you and I haven't thought about this and maybe I should have thought more about it before we went on but one of the beauties about this podcast JC and I have a little bit of uh correspondence but a lot of times we just come on here I don't know what JC's going to say he doesn't know what I'm going to say I don't know what his opinion is he doesn't know what my opinion is and sometimes that works best I am I am no less a college football fan today than I've ever been in my life I love the sport. I love it more and more every year. I can't wait till it happens. And now, thanks to Florida and Miami, it'll happen a week sooner. Which, by the way, tell me why we can't just start the whole thing a week sooner. Would anybody be against that? Um, but here's what I'm not excited about, JC. And I've had the pleasure, quote unquote, to, to broadcast a few spring football games in my life. I'm not excited about spring football. And I find myself becoming less and less excited about it. And less and less, I take less and less out of it every year is there anything we can do to make this to make these spring games more entertaining can we have somebody suggested seven on seven that's not happening um can we, i i know coaches don't want to play anybody because they want to risk injuries can we do anything to make this more palatable because when i sit back and i watch a spring game i'm bored to tears i think that uh, you got to play another opponent I think so too. And but the I, coaches I, ever. I, and I think there's there's two options um, that you can use. I, I think, and, and, I, and I think that for the sport, I, you know, some coaches want to play. Steve Spurrier used to, he, he never he never really cared though. He just yeah, we can we can go play uh, we can go play Georgia Tech or somebody like that. And they're like well, Coach Spurrier, Georgia Tech runs the triple option. Well, well, maybe we don't maybe we don't want to play Georgia Tech. This is when he's in South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't want to play Georgia Tech because they were in the option. You know, it's just – but anyway, I digress. Uh, you know, some coaches don't want to do it, but some do. Do you remember what Lou Holtz did since you brought up South Carolina? He had a JV game. He had a JV game against like a local – was that a JUCO uh, or a military Georgia, school? Georgia Military Junior College. That's what it was. Yes, okay. We're going to play a junior varsity football game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I, and I – and I remember when he fun. announced that I was like, "Is that even legal?" Like I had to, I had yeah. to ask, "Like is that is that against NCAA rules?" I didn't even know, but but obviously it was not. Yeah, you can do that. The thing with that was though, it was it was weird. It was like you you could play in it, but like you couldn't be redshirting that year. Like like you couldn't redshirt. Now I don't know what the new redshirt rules if that's changed or not, but it was very rare. But it was a. Heck, they had about five thousand people show up. It is, so, so, so I've I've got a plan. Okay, you either do it like the basketball programs do with their preseason games, and you can go play like a D two school. But <laughs> that's easier said than done in football because the, those guys on that D two roster are little; they're smaller than your guys, mm-hmm. and they could get beat all to he- holy heck. It's not like going out there and scrimmaging a D2 basketball school and, and, and whatever. You know, nobody's really getting hurt. The score may be lopsided, or in some cases you may lose. But um, <clears throat> football, it's different with the 
with the scrimmages. Um, they have scrimmages in the NFL, and they have scrimmages on the high school level, um, but most of the time those teams are kind of evenly matched. Now, in high school, sometimes I'll see a big program go scrimmage, a little program that's close by, but they have some prearranged things. And I'm not talking about a scrimmage. I'm talking about a, a, a game, an exhibition game, so to speak, or whatever. So I don't know that that's necessarily going to work. You know, you can't have Georgia, you know, scrimmaging West Georgia or Georgia Military Junior College um, in the spring. Uh, I just, you know, it, it's just, it's not going to be fair for the little guys to go up and try to compete. And I don't know that that would draw that much more interest. Um, here's what I propose. Uh, the AAF... Uh, and some people don't like it, but it's actually one of the more popular spring football leagues that that is that, that have, has been playing. I think they timed it right and put it in the right cities. I think the AAF is going to stay for a while, and, and I think it's going to make spring football a little more popular. Like people are going to get used to watching football games during the spring, um, which is fine because that would make this month even freaking better. Uh, all right, so so. so Colleges should play a spring game against another opponent. Now, how do you want to count that towards the next season? I don't know. Maybe you use it as a tiebreaker. Maybe you use it as, you know, something else. I, I don't know. Kind of like the um, the World Series home field advantage is determined by the winner of the All-Star game. I don't, I don't know. Something like that. Maybe you put it on the overall record. I don't know. I don't know how you necessarily count it, but I do think um, – and maybe it doesn't count. Maybe it's just a, a, an exhibition. But people keep saying bowl games are nothing but an exhibition. Okay, well, obviously those are made-for-TV events, as we've discussed. I, I don't see anybody being very proactive to kind of save the bowl season. It's all about expanding the playoff. Playoff it will expand at some point, and then that's going to minimize the bowl season anymore, even more. Well, these guys that shake hands and kiss babies, the, the bowl – uh, reps <laughs> um, and the cities and the committees that, that put these things together. And I know half of them are owned by ESPN and I know they would come to the table. Why don't we just play spring games in bowls and, and, and hear me out. So there's no playoff or anything. So, so you're Alabama, right? Okay. So yeah. Okay. You played Oklahoma and Clemson. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Maybe you go play Notre Dame um, somewhere. And maybe, it, maybe the major bowls aren't a part of it. Maybe it's, you know, down in Montgomery or Mobile. Or, or, or maybe it's, you know, in Nashville, the Music City Bowl or something like that. You know, Clemson maybe plays Oklahoma. And, and you're kind of matched up sort of like the NFL does it with a team that had similar success a year ago. And then it's, it's, a, it's a spring showcase. Do you not think fans would gobble up tickets in the thousands to go to Nashville, Tennessee to watch the Crimson Tide play the Fighting Irish, Mike? I think they would. And I think our friends at ESPN would love to televise it. Well, and, those two points are absolutely right. And, now, and everybody plays one, you know. <laughs> you want me to you, you want me to be the, you know, what's the uh, the character on Family Guy, Bingington Buzzkill? Yeah, sure yeah, go All ahead. Right. All right, so I'm going to be Bingington uh, Buzzkill. <laughs> you will never get coaches to go for that because we're still talking about a collision sport, 
and coaches are hired and fired based on nothing that goes on in the spring, but everything that goes on in the fall. And if they think there's a 1% chance of one of their key players going down because of a contact collision situation in a meaningless quote unquote game in the spring, they'll never forgive themselves. So I can't see coaches going for it. That's why I think it needs to count for something. Okay. Maybe it counts on the overall record for the next year. I Ooh. mean, I mean, I, you know, but then you'd have coaches getting fired after the spring game. <laughs> could, could you imagine? Go, I like so sorry. So who would all Auburn would probably play somebody like NC State and probably be like in maybe over here in Atlanta or in Jacksonville or something. Let's give it to the Camellia Bowl down at Montgomery. Okay, so NC State comes down to Auburn, and you know, Auburn's ready to roll because they beat the crap out of Purdue. But, you know, in the spring, they don't have all their guys or whatever, and NC State beats them in front of 50,000 in Montgomery. And Gus Malzahn gets fired the next day. <laughs> That's that, that's something coaches that's, would think about. I mean, seriously. Oh, oh, there was no question. I mean, if, if they actually, if there was something riding on it, by the way, the character I'm looking for is Buzz Killington. So Buzz I, Killington. I've, I've, I've officially morphed into that guy. I am the get off my lawn, get Buzz my Killington lawn. character here on the JC and Morgan podcast, because I love the idea in terms of if it, if it happened, would I be excited about it? Yes. Would the fans be excited about it? Yes. Would ESPN be excited about it? Hell yes. You know how hard it is to make a two-hour glorified scrimmage, a.k.a. a spring game, look like on TV? It's it's not a fun broadcast, I can uh-huh. tell you. And it's not easy to make it good television. Everybody would love that except for the coaches and potentially the players because I don't know if the players want to – give max effort in the spring either. But I, I, I barring that, let's just say that plan. Uh, and it takes sometimes a radical mind to make a, a radical improvement to our society. Barring that plan ever happening in the near future. Is there anything else we can do to make this uh, worth being like, you have to cover it for your website. Uh, uh-huh. in, addition, in addition to the many things that JC does for 24 seven sports and otherwise you could check out uh, the big com. So when you're covering the South Carolina and I get covering spring practice, you know, you got, yep. It gives you an excuse to talk about the, the depth chart, the two deep who's battling for what spot, what uh, early enrollee looks like he can play right away as a freshman. I get it. But when you have to actually cover the spring game and you digest two hours of guys not giving max effort on the line of scrimmage quarterbacks who don't have to be worried about getting hit receivers that don't want to go over the middle safeties that don't want to hit anybody that does go over the middle running backs that are not really facing live ammo. So to speak, how do you really turn that into something relevant? Cause we all know the stories of, I don't care who your school is. You, you read the box score the next day and you see some guy that like caught 15 passes and you're like, wow, maybe he's a, and then it turns out he's like seventh string. So how do you make this relevant to say your people that will be uh, waiting to see what JC says about the spring game? Ah, that's tough. Uh, it, it, it's because at South Carolina, you know, Muschamp's a little different than Spur. Spur used to open every spring practice the whole time. 
And from a coverage standpoint, that was tough because you had to go sit out there every day. <laughs> and it wasn't exciting. Um, Must Jam's a little different. It's more structured in terms of you can only come in this amount of time, that amount of time. And, you know, they don't – I think from – you know, nobody's really given anything away as far as depth chart and stuff like that. Um, and so I don't, I don't know. I mean, you have to cover it because that's what your subscribers and, and readers want. But I don't know that there's any valuable information that you gather at a at a program that 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 goes through spring practice. I think some schools have used spring games as recruiting tools. Alabama and Georgia in particular by getting massive crowds there. And, oh, well, they show up this for a scrimmage and think about how much they're going to support you when you're right, here. You right. know? That's become the new one, yeah. I they mean, got 90,000 at their spring game. They love football more than you do because you only got 42,000. I think. No, they just got nothing better to do yeah, on a Saturday. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to see kind of. I think that's one of those uh, trends that never really caught on. I think it caught on at Georgia because Georgia's trying to catch Mama, and I think that's just about the extent of it. Um, Nebraska does well at spring games, too. Hadn't exactly helped do. their success. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and you know, Clemson coming off a national championship, I think got 60,000 in Death Valley, which is a good crowd for their spring game. But in the state of South Carolina, Usually those two spring games are right around the Masters, and, and you know there's nice beaches and the weather's warm. And so it's, it's there's college baseball, so it's it's kind of tough. But I, you know, you mentioned seven on seven, and I do think that fans would have interest if you play if you script if you if you did a seven on seven scrimmage against another team, and in that case you could play like. If you're Georgia, you can play Georgia State or whoever. Um, the problem, again, is going to be the coaches because anything you keep score with and you lose, that's going to be, if you're on the hot seat, another you know ember on the fire, so to speak. Maybe you could – I don't know, you know, because if you're going to do seven-on-seven seven as a scrimmage against each other, who cares? Why not get the pads on, you know, if, if you're trying to get right. something for – for fans to see because seven on seven is still not football. I yeah, mean, no, it's, it's, I, not. It's, it's, it, not. It, it's not, it's not, it's just better to see your guys compete against somebody else than it is to see them compete against. Your Correct. Guys. Correct. And, and so I, you know, I don't know. Then what do you do with the offensive and defensive linemen while that's happening? Do you have an O line D line challenge? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what do you do? I mean, I, you know, what do the big guys do? So bull I in the know, ring, everybody it's bull, bull in the, bull the ring. ring, man. It's I just, I don't, I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, outside of playing another school and, and, you know, and if they structured it right and said, okay, well, here are the rules. We're going to play our starters in the first quarter. You cannot play your starters past the first quarter. If you're playing a D two school and all that, you know, maybe you could play somebody else, but even then Mike, you know, if you're Alabama and you're playing Alabama state or whoever, uh, in, in a, in a scrimmage Samford or whoever, you know, and, and Sanford's down there playing the mighty Crimson Tide at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and it gets to be the second quarter, and Sanford starters are in, and your third team's in, and you have a third-team guy that's going to be uh, a first-team guy in the fall. He's just third-team right now because he's a freshman. And he takes a tall sweep and goes around the end, and then this overachieving uh, Rudy linebacker from Sanford comes charging in and takes his knee out. 
that's where it all. That's where it all. That's uh, it's all yeah, fun, and, falls apart, fun and games right until that happens. Right. So I, like I, I, I think even if you know your third stringers are getting shown up a little bit by the FCS Division Two first teamers, like okay, it, it's this happens in basketball all the time that that off season one team will quote unquote scrimmage another, and yeah. it's not supposed to be public knowledge who won but everybody knows and it's not a big secret. And, um, and so sometimes like the, the much better team will lose and you know, it's, it doesn't count. So who cares? And this, in this particular case, I'd rather see my, if I'm a fan of a particular school, I'd rather see that school go up and maybe not look great. Uh, when the third stringers are in there, but still I'm playing against somebody with a different uniform where we're not buddy. We're not roommates in the athletic dorm when we get done here. So we do take it a little bit seriously. There is a little bit of hitting going on. There is a little bit of strategy going on. I'd rather have that and like lose 38, 36 than have the blue beat the white 21 to 19 and a court, you know, and it's just non-contact and just blah. It's just, it's bad. It's, it used to be a little bit better. I think coaches back in the old days when, when the players had hair on their chest, uh, it used to be where coaches looked at spring games, not as a spectacle because they were not televised and you'd be lucky to get 10,000 people to show up, but they looked at as a true way to get your team ready. Like, okay, I want to see how these guys react with, again, uh, real ammo. And, and, and let me, let me, let me figure out who's going to beat out who at this spot. Let me see who's got, let me see how this play works versus that play. There used to be more of that. You know, if you go back to like the early nineties, I think there was more of that now. And, and now we are all about let's just not get anybody hurt. Let's not show what we don't have to show. Um, it, it, it's just, it's different. So spring games are not games. They're glorified scrimmages and, and glorified might even be too complimentary of a word. So I, I, I will say this, there's one thing, there's one like big storyline that we will, I think look forward to nationally speaking as it pertains to spring football. And I'm going to tell you about it. After I tell you about the great folks at BP Skinner Clothiers, Brent Skinner and company do an outstanding job making sure you look your very best. Go ahead and let them come to you. That's right. They'll provide you with a level of personalized service that has become rare today. That is why they offer to come to your house, your business, wherever it might be in the country. Brent is traveling the globe. I mean, he really does. He is not about just staying in an office or some swanky showroom. He'll go out wherever the business is, wherever people want to look their best at the right price. That is why he'll come to you for your fittings, your consultations, everything else from setting your first appointment to picking up your final garment. They aim to make the process of your custom wardrobe creation smooth and painless. I'm not only a spokesperson, I'm a satisfied, I mean extremely satisfied customer of BP Skinner Clothiers. I have never looked or felt better. You will too. Check them out. Go to the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. Set up your free appointment or consultation. You can also do it on the website, but you can call them or do it on the website. Have Brent come to you, and you will be very, very glad you did. The spring is coming up now. Another opportunity to kind of enhance your wardrobe for this time of year, and nobody can enhance it better than the man, the myth, the legend, Brent Skinner. All right, JC, in the spring, as I mentioned 
I don't want to be a total buzz Killington. There are some interesting subjects that will be tackled and you might not be able to see a whole lot or learn a whole lot as to what they're going to do uh, in 2019 based on a spring game. But I think the, the, the major storyline for 2019 after the whole transfer transfer portal thing has come and gone. Now we've got some marquee quarterbacks at new destinations you know, and I think that's going to be the biggest story. And, and I, quite frankly, I mean, I think it's going to be fun to see. I want to see Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. I want to see Kelly Bryant uh, at Missouri. I, I want to see, you know, it, obviously with Justin Fields, it did not end the way he wanted it to at Georgia. And I think some Georgia fans were a little taken back by the way he kind of walked out. Um, just complaining about playing time. And there were a couple of video clips. It was not a good look. So how does he do now that he's going to Ohio state and all the pressure is on him? That, that, that to me is the story guys like Hertz, uh, guys like fields. Don't forget Jacob Eason. We've who did have to sit out a year, uh, cause he didn't find some rather BS way to get a, a, <laughs> a transfer waiver as some have, uh, Tate Martell at Miami. I mentioned Kelly Bryant at Mizzou, Brandon Winbush at UCF, uh, another interesting name, Ben Hicks at Arkansas. So that to me would have to be right near the top or at the top of interesting storylines going into spring ball. Yeah. And the kid from Wisconsin, Hornenbrook, I think is going to Florida state. So that's we'll right. See if uh, Kendall Bryles can um, get something out of him or maybe he's a backup. I don't know. He threw a ton of interceptions last year, but uh, you know, we'll see, uh, see what happens. Look, I, I hope that this is not like the normal thing that happens, like the Justin Fields thing. Okay, let's compare Justin Fields to Kelly Bryant, okay? And and both were kind of odd because Kelly Bryant was the starting quarterback and then just walked away to preserve his red shirt. Well, you kind of understand, especially after watching Trevor Lawrence for the rest of the year, that, you know, Trevor Lawrence was just better. And... You know, Kelly Bryant could have remained on the team and played mop-up duty because there's plenty of mop-up duty to be had for Clemson. But the bottom line is he he made a good choice for himself and, and gave Clemson all the time he could. And then, I mean, say what you want. Well, did he make a good decision specifically to go to Missouri? I don't know. But, um, you know, he got out and, and everybody was respectful. There was a little bit of criticism, et cetera, but – you know, Kelly Bryant's going to play another year, and Clemson's got you know one of the best quarterbacks in the country, if not the best. Jalen Hurts, I think, handled it the right way, um, I, and I think he he made a good decision. You know, you can't argue with uh, Lincoln Riley's track record with transfer quarterbacks at this point. Shoot, no. Um, so I think that that, that you look at it and, and you see some specific situations where it makes total sense and, and it's high profile and all that. The two that kind of bother me, Justin Fields is one because, you know, you got Jake Fromm going into his junior year. Jake Fromm has quarterbacked the team to a national championship game, two SEC championship games and an SEC championship. Um, say what you want about his ceiling as a as a great quarterback or an athlete, but the kid's a winner. Um, and you knew Jake Fromm was there when you made the decision. You made the decision to go to the University of Georgia. 
And you knew what kind of offense they ran. You knew it. You knew who the offensive coordinator was. You knew Kirby Smart came from Alabama. You knew this. You look around, other schools you're considering ran spreads that were more conducive to your style. You could have been starting already, blah, blah, blah. And then you leave and you show your ass on the way out. Now, you know, he's immediately eligible. That's good. I, I think that after the, the video of the idiot saying what he said in the stands surfaced, that that was an open and shut case for the NCAA, whether or not you think that was valid uh, or that sets a bad precedent. I'll leave that up to everybody else. But just looking at how they decide things and, and because it was it was out there and documented, there was I mean, that was going to happen. Um, and he's in a system now that I think fits his skill set. Um, and away we go. The other one was Tate Martell. <laughs> you know, Tate Martell is like 5'11", all right? And he played at Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas. And, you know, film was really good. You know, good player in high school. I had a lot of questions about him. I thought Ohio State was a good place for him to to, to march, matriculate because of the spread option aspect of their offense and all that. And, um, you know, he, he, he couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins, and we all know why now, because Dwayne Haskins has a cannon. And so he gets his chance, and then this guy that's played, what, three, how many snaps did Justin Fields get this year for Georgia? 40, 50, 50 snaps of college ball transferred in? And Tate Martell's like, I'll see you, dog, I'm out. Come on, man. I mean, I wouldn't even, if I'm, and look, I have some questions about his talent anyway, and I don't know that uh, Jaron Williams, if provided Jaron Williams did indeed transfer back to Miami and decided he wasn't going to transfer, I don't know that one of those quarterbacks down there won't beat him out. And I know all you Miami fans will be shocked to hear me say that. But I've got some serious questions about him. But, but, but what does that say about the leader of your team when, you know, a guy just transfers in and you're like, man, I'm out, dog. See ya. I can't hang. I can't. This is five star, man. Woo! You think, you know, Jake Fromm's still the quarterback at Georgia because Jake Fromm did not do that. You know, so I, I you know, th- that that's the issue with it is some of these guys have not done a daggum thing. And some of these guys, I promise you, Mike, uh, and I, I would say that Justin Fields is probably going to end up being pretty special for Ohio State. Uh, Tate Martell. I have some questions about it. Some of these guys aren't that good, but they just love to be recruited and they love to do this, that, and the other. And it's all about me, me, me. And I just think to be an effective quarterback, you can be a me, me, me guy, Cam Newton. Um, But you do have to have some sense of like, you know, team and, 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 and understanding and awareness and competitiveness individually you guys want to know why Joe Burrow was pretty good at LSU this year even though he couldn't beat out uh Haskins or whoever um it's because he battled Haskins because he's he'd been through quarterback competitions and he worked his butt off to try to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State it just didn't work out that's fine you know Kelly Bryant that's fine but when you just tuck tail and run because some hot shot guy who's played 40 snaps, who showed his ass when he walked out the door at Georgia, who still wants to be recruited, waltzes into your program just because, oh, five-star, man, I can't hang. I have serious questions as to if you can 
uh, play dog catcher, uh, you know, in, in Coral Gables, much less uh, the quarterback for the Miami Hurricanes. I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, but I, I, I really want to see, I will say this with the exception of Kelly Bryant. I mean, these kids are smart enough to go to places where they know they're are already built for their personal success. So going to Oklahoma, going to Ohio state, those are kind of like no brainers. If you're Kelly Bryant and you pick Missouri, forget about the probation that happened afterward. And he decided yeah. to stay. Um, but like you could have gone a lot of places yeah, Arkansas I, I, with Chad Morris. With Chad Morris, yeah. I mean, uh, Auburn wanted Kelly Bryant. I mean, I know it. A I, lot of people I, wanted Kelly Bryant. Why would you be worried about a coaching change if you went to went to Auburn? I mean, you're only there a year, so I, yeah, right. I don't know. I uh, that whole thing. I, I <laughs> and he's and, and he's following a guy who, in Drew Locke who may or may not be a first round talent and threw a bunch of touchdowns but they still struggle to win meaningful games there. So I, I, I don't know. And with, I, with the probation next year, you just don't know how the rest of that team is going to react. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I look, well, a lot of people said, well, they're going on probation. Why in the world is he staying? Look, let's be honest. You're Kelly Bryant. Uh, if you were really all about winning a national title, you wouldn't have gone there in the first place, given some of the other options. You're you're looking to get together. You're looking to put together tape. Okay, you're looking to put together NFL scouting tape, and you figure at Missouri they've got some weapons. Uh, even if they go five and seven, if he puts up numbers and he throws it as much as Drew Locke did, uh, if that gives him a better chance of moving up in the draft, and so be it. I yeah. think that's what he was looking at. I don't think there was any great sales pitch that Missouri had that somebody else didn't. I don't think he just wanted to be closer to the Ozarks. <laughs> I don't think the town of Como, uh, you know, he just could not turn down Shakespeare's pizza. I, I think it's uh, just the fact that just what I said. And uh, I'll be very curious to see how he does in the Southeastern Conference. Probation or not, they're still going to get 12 games in. Yeah. And you're going to you're going to get a chance to see him play in an improved SEC East with Georgia, uh, with Florida coming on, with South Carolina coming on, with Tennessee. Assuming I'm assuming they're going to be improved. Uh, yeah. You know, Kentucky might take a step back, but at least they're better than they were. And Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. So, you know, I, I, it'll be curious. It'll be interesting to see. I, and I and I think he will put together. They, the, Missouri does have a lot of talent coming back at tight end and receiver. And some starters back on the O line, and I think Derek Dooley did an underrated job of play calling last year for them. And you know, quite frankly, Kelly Bryant does not have the arm Drew Locke did. No, but if you watch Kelly Bryant, like he is a lot more consistent. If mm-hmm. you watched what he did at Clemson, and he also can run a little bit, so right, it should be interesting. But yeah, I mean, look, Hertz made a Hertz made a great choice. I think Fields. I didn't like the way he handled it, but I, I think he made a great choice. So. Sure. You know, we'll see ultimately kind of what happens. Yeah. Heck, if, if I'm a transfer quarterback, uh, Oklahoma and Ohio State, <laughs> they're, they're near the top of my list. Uh, and what they've been able to do with transfers at Oklahoma the last two years, uh, that's yeah. an easy sell. You got If you're Lincoln Riley, I'm like, uh, you see those Heisman trophies? Yeah, the, those are my dudes. Those are transfers that I, that I turned into Heisman Trophy winners and uh, number one overall picks in the draft, which Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray could very well be. 
the number one overall pick in the draft, falling another Oklahoma Sooner in Baker Mayfield. It's amazing they don't win national titles in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, with <laughs> with that much talent, great but they don't. O- great offense, though. It's can't, great uh, offense and a Big 12 defense. What are you going to say? Um, I know we're running short on time. I know you've got a couple of stories. I'll just mention this one thing real quick, and if you have anything you want to close out with, uh, feel free to do so. This is from our friends at uh, Saturday Down South. Connor O'Gara. I don't know who he is, but I'm sure he's a fine gentleman. He uh, he lists according to Bet Online, which pretty soon I'm convinced we're going to be able to legally gamble on college football just about everywhere in the continental United States. But these are over under win totals: Alabama eleven, Georgia ten and a half, Florida nine, LSU nine. Auburn eight, Mississippi State eight, A and M seven and a half, Tennessee seven. Now the Alabama one, you know that goes without saying. Uh, Georgia ten and a half. Again, keep in mind they do have Notre Dame on that return game from a couple of years ago out of conference. Auburn, it's only fitting they'd be around eight because they've become the most unpredictable team in a lot of ways under Gus Malzahn. Uh, they get Alabama and Georgia at home, but they travel to Florida, LSU, and Texas A&M uh, with a neutral site matchup against Oregon. A&M at seven and a half. Now, a lot of people, and I'm one of them, when I first saw that number, I said, wait, seven and a half, A&M, shoot. After what they did last year and the quarterback coming back and Jimbo coming back, then look at their schedule. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, add in Mississippi State and Auburn. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, they've got they've got a you know the 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 two SEC teams that play Clemson next year also play Alabama <laughs> and right. Georgia. So yeah, South Carolina uh, plays Georgia and Alabama and Clemson, and so does Texas A and M. Yeah. So I, I, all right, let's just for fun here. I'm going to let you go ahead and play along. Tennessee, over under seven. I'm going to go push. I think they'll win exactly seven games. All right. I'm going to, even though against my better judgment, I'm going to allow you to say push on an over under bet. All right. Texas A&M. You can't push on this one. Seven and a half. I think I'm going to go push, Mike. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go under. I think the Aggies, even though they do have Mond coming back, the schedule's brutal, and and they did have some personnel losses. They're going to be young in certain areas, so I'm going to I'm going to say they're going to win right at seven. Okay, Auburn eight. Oh God, that's tough. It always is with Auburn, isn't it? I, I am going to go under, and uh, Gus is fired. I don't want yeah. that to happen, though, Auburn fans. But I pick you. I say good things about you every preseason, right. and then you disappoint me. So I'm going to go the opposite way this offseason, and you'll probably win the national championship. Well, I'll tell you what. If they go under eight wins, my over-under on Gus keeping his job is like 2%. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's not. You know, he was up there at the basketball tournament today. I saw that. I saw that. Jumping up uh, and clapping. Yeah, hey, good for him. Way to be supportive. Way to support the team. Bryce, the, Bryce Drew came out there and said he was clapping wrong and had to coach yeah, him up a little bit. There you go. Taking a cheap shot at Bryce Drew. <laughs> By the way, if, if, if Gus really wants to support the team, he'll go all, all David Putty and go uh, uh, body paint. Body paint, face paint. Little Seinfeld <laughs> reference. Uh, Georgia, ten and a half wins. 
I actually read a, a good uh, – as Feldman was talking about this the other day, uh, about who Georgia has coming back, sort of – you know their personnel, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're gonna go over. I think they'll win at least eleven games next year. Um, it may just be eleven, but um, you know, given the fact that they they do have some some more teams on their schedule this year, they could lose to. But I'm gonna say over for Georgia. DeAndre Swift. We might actually see a running back win the Heisman. If 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 DeAndre can somehow get twenty five touches a game. He's going to put up ridiculous numbers. Yeah, okay. That kid's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, I know it. Rocky's hometown. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you think he grew up a Georgia Bulldog fan? I grew up a, a Rocky fan. No, probably a Philadelphia. Kids in Philly, I used to go up there and, and interview recruits all the time. They're like, I like Rutgers because they come in here and they recruit me good. And I, I love Temple, but man, I don't want to go there. And I, I really like Penn State. Yeah, so they're kind of Penn State, but they're, they're Philly's closer to Jersey, really, than it is to the rest of Pennsylvania in a lot right. of ways. Um, you know, so a lot of those a lot of those kids are kind of Jersey guys, but and, and yeah. Jer- Jersey folks love Rutgers, but they know how bad they are, so they, they don't true. go. But yeah, Swift was. Um, I, I think Georgia was uh, the team to beat for him really early, and it, it just never really was. Um, a question, you know, so there was really no other like second place. You, Ohio State was probably in on him or something. Like you know, that. we're we're getting to the point. Todd Gurley is the highest paid running back in the NFL. When healthy, he's a stud with the Rams. Nick Chubb looked really good last year. A lot of people thought maybe he wasn't quick enough for the NFL. Uh, I think he proved them wrong last year with the Browns. Sony Michelle, great postseason with the Patriots. And there's no question this kid, DeAndre Swift, is going to be in the NFL, I think, after this coming year. I don't think there's any way he stays four years. We're going to get to the point where uh, half the NFL running backs are from Georgia. Uh, Let me tell you why, Mike Morgan. It's because the University of Georgia is running back you, going all the way back to Kershaw Walker and Lars Tate and Rodney Hampton and T.D. Terrell Davis and Garrison Hurst. Garrison's down. He's down to the 15. And he, 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 Georgia's running back university. I tell everybody this. Why is Georgia getting signed those seven or eight running backs every year? He's never going to play. Why isn't he coming here? Why is he going to Georgia? Well, Georgia is running, playing running back at the University of Georgia is a Cadillac position in college football. It is. No offense to Alabama or any of these other schools have had great running backs, but there has not been a year I can remember, Blank, where Georgia was not really, really good at running back. Even like Danny Ware and Thomas Brown back at the beginning of the 2000s, they, they were winning divisions and SECs with those two guys. They, those guys didn't have long NFL careers or anything. They were good, though. And, and that's, that's one thing, Georgia, Georgia, I don't care who coaches there. Mike Leach can go coach there. They Ray always, Goff could come back and, have, and not yes. play Terrell Davis enough, and he'd still be a Hall of Famer. You will always have a great running back at the University of Georgia. Now, if you're gonna if you're gonna go all Larry Munson next time, and you're gonna start talking Georgia tailbacks, how about a little more love for Frank Sinkwich? Okay, uh, the guy won a Heisman Trophy he, he in '42. He did. Come on, I forgot. Was was Shame Munson the you. voice of the Bulldogs in '42? Heck, I don't know. I, he might have been. Uh, he's here <laughs> a long, long. I guarantee you one thing: he knew all about Frank Sinkwich, and he could tell you exactly what he did like it was yesterday the late I, Larry Munson. they don't make him like Larry. i miss larry munson every Everybody. day of my life i miss larry munson, larry munson is probably the most popular homer radio announcer for one school 
where all the fans of the rival schools and other schools loved Larry Munson. Yeah, I mean, you'd always listen to him because he was just, I mean, he was a complete homer, but he would just, he, he just the way he called it. I mean, one it's night. It's the voice, JC. It was the voice. One night I got the pleasure of hearing him call a Braves baseball game. He oh, filled wow. in. And he oh, was wow. like, because he used to do the Falcons too, and I was a big Falcons fan. So I'd hear him be like, and Murphy's at the plate, Horner's on deck. And Griffey's in the hole. That's. <laughs> I mean, it was just awesome. You he, know? It's, you know, look, nowadays, especially where I think, quite honestly, there are a lot of radio announcers that just try to pander to the fan base, yeah. especially if you know you're not really good. If you just kind of, like, I'm going to out homer everybody. That way I can at least be popular with that particular fan base. Larry Munson's, to me, I won't remember the fact that he was a homer because that's nothing new. Back then, it was a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, you were supposed to be a little more down the middle and a little more uh, accurate, I guess you could say, in terms of how you were calling it. But it's the voice, man. Yeah. And I'll throw in one other guy because I don't know how much longer he's going to do it. And I know radio play by play, and obviously that's where I cut my teeth. I know it's not; it doesn't get the same uh, attention that it used to because every game's on TV. But if you haven't heard Gene Deckerhoff of Florida State call a game. It's one of the most unique voices and to me, one of the most pleasurable and enjoyable voices that you will listen to call a game. I'll just throw that out there completely off topic here as we close uh, <laughs> another JC and Morgan podcast. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on Deckerhoff and I'm, I think uh, you're right, man. Larry, the first thing I thought about with Larry Munson was never Homer. It was always like, uh, legend, <laughs> I guess. Um, and I didn't grow up a Georgia fan, but every, you know, when I lived in this state way back in the early two thousands, I lived in a town called Gainesville and boy, you, you Saturday afternoon, you could be riding around and that was really before every single game was on TV. Would you be riding around on Saturday afternoon? Oh, there's no question. It was huge. People I have mean, their their radios up. Yeah, I, I mean, you had to you had to not only be uh, good in terms of you know uh, things like your voice and things like people wanted to know you were passionate about uh, the school, or the team you were calling it for, but you had to be able to paint a picture. I mean, some of these guys now that 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 skill is not necessarily as necessary because. Uh, the games are on TV. He's to the 55, the 60, the Oh, oh, gosh. I I don't know who that is, JC, but it sounds pretty awful. Um, But but I I will say this, too, about Larry, because I used to have him on my show uh, whenever whenever Georgia was playing uh, uh, South Carolina. But, But Larry, the definition of a homer sometimes is misused. Larry was as critical of Georgia as anybody. If the dogs were not playing well, he'd tell you, see, he wasn't afraid. He didn't feel like he had to sugarcoat it to me. A true Homer. If you're a true Homer, you're thinking like the fans are, you're not going to sit there. If the team's playing like crap, going to sugarcoat it and tell you, Oh no, they're not playing like crap. They're really playing great. It's all the officials fault. No, 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 no. That's not a Homer. That's just somebody distorting reality. So Larry, to his credit, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that often Georgia was bad during his, his reign, but when they were, he told you about it. He told you during the broadcast, and he would tell you if you got an interview with them. All right, JC, for those that have not 
already subscribed to this fine award-winning podcast, tell them how you do so. All right, you can go to, uh, if you're an iPhone user, um, you can go to Apple Podcast, iTunes, and subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. You just uh, hit the button, and it'll send you a little note. Like every time we have a new episode, it'll say, J.C. Morgan Podcast is ready to go. Not in that voice unless you set it to that. Um, uh, you know, you can get different voices. You can get a British voice. Oh, the J.C. and Morgan podcast has dropped or something like that. Uh, but anyway, it tells you. So that's the good point there. I'm not a droid user. Never have been. I came over to iPhone. From I am. So I, I am. have no idea what you people with the green text bubbles get. If you subscribe on Google Play, but you can subscribe there as well. Yes. Google Play, Podcast Addict. There, there's something for you. Some yep. of us droid users, we're cool enough to do this, too. Yeah, and then uh-huh. uh, the Stitcher app is another podcasting app you can get it on and uh, and all that good stuff. And plus, it's distributed all over 24-7 sports as well. There you go. There you go. We won't be too long before we're distributing back to you fine folks with another podcast. But until then, for J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long for now. Thanks for tuning in to another J.C. and Morgan podcast.